Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show, where we talk about the business of sports and media and entertainment, all different kinds of things that are on our mind and the minds of our students and the minds of our listeners. Thank you all for listening. I'm Joe Favorito, going solo here in the middle of the, the early part of the summer of 2019, actually. Uh, my partner, Tom Richardson's off on a little extended weekend. So we're going to continue uh, with some of our alumni, our students, and our faculty, which we've been doing a lot of lately, for those who've been listening in order. And those who haven't, you'll kind of get an interesting treat from this one. So Ronnie Sokash is our guest today. Ronnie is an ongoing kind of member of our program, in the program, uh, from the Sunshine State of Florida, uh, and came to our program kind of in a pretty unique way through really our high school program, which is where you kind of found out about this. Ronnie's been spending some time away from campus, had an interesting experience working in analytics for the Houston Astros, and has a new position coming up, which by the time I think this posts, he will be um, working somewhere in Queens for that other baseball team in New York, the one I'm a partial season ticket holder of the New York Mets. (laughs) Uh, But Ronnie, first of all, welcome to the Cusp Show. Hey, thanks, Joe. It's great to be here. And I know you've listened in on others. You've helped kind of put together others when you were on campus before in the summers. Uh, So why don't you tell everybody about kind of your path through Florida, how you got here, um, and kind of what it's enabled you to do already without even graduating. Yeah, so, you know, what a full circle kind of moment this is starting, I think, when we first met in 2015. Um, I was a student at the University of Florida going into my junior year um, and was lucky enough to be an intern with the high school program as a resident assistant working here for about eight weeks. Um, In that program, we have the opportunity as RAs to work for courses that are offered to high school students. And uh, that basically was an application process where you can pick certain classes you're interested in. And of course, your class in sport business and and myself, someone interested in going into sports, that became my choice. And I was lucky enough to. Was it you and Jason Balsamo were the two at that point? Who was the other? No, Sunil. Sunil, right. Right, right, right. right. A Carnegie Mellon graduate, as a matter of fact, I think. Didn't Sunil go to Carnegie Mellon? Virginia. He went to UVA. Or Virginia. Same thing. Yeah, yeah. So, (laughs) close enough, but. They all run together after a while. Yeah, so. We worked there in 2015, mm-hmm. and then I remember really wanting to go into baseball, but not knowing exactly what, how to do it, and you were the main person I remember we were talking. We were at a New Jersey Jackals game, and you were telling me about... In Yogi Berra Stadium, by the way. Right, right, and they had to fake an injury so that we could, because we were running late, because the right. bus had broken down, we had to take a train, and we were running late, and they had to fake an injury so that we could all make it and still see the last half of the game. True story. Right. So we show up. The and, beauties uh, of independent baseball, by the way. A hundred percent. And so I'm, I'm realizing, of course, I've always loved baseball. I played in high school and things like that. And I know I want to work uh, for a team. And I just straight up ask you, like, hey, Joe, how do I work for a team? And then you just said, you've got to create your own voice and mm-hmm. create your own um, outlet. Yep. And so that became a WordPress blog for myself. What was it called at that point? Do you it was it? floridasportsview.com. Right. And it was basically about kind of the business or the the analytic side of Florida sports, correct? Yeah. Not university, but general sports in Florida. Right, exactly. And then honing on baseball Mm -hmm. um, because I knew I want to work for a team, of course. And what really struck uh, a chord with me was that the best way to show that you can work with a team, the best way to show that you're qualified is to have the impetus to go out and work on your own and and try to um, complete projects and and get ahead, I think, of other other undergraduates. And that's kind of, you know, the origin story between us and then working uh, with a blog and then um, that turned into independent research, where I was lucky enough to present a project in 2016 in Miami for the Society of American Baseball Research. That Saber. Was, Saber, right. Mm-hmm. That was about a 20-minute presentation. Um, what was it on? 
It was on the competitive balance round A draft picks in the MLB draft, kind of looking at uh, the valuation because these are picks that can be traded and are very unique in the draft. Um, and it definitely was a good entry looking back on it now. Like, wow, could have done a lot of things differently. But, you know, you, you kind of look at that and see how much you've improved and it really... And you I were think. doing stuff at Florida too. Were you mm -hmm. working for the softball team at one point? Exactly. Yeah. So that junior year was basically me blogging, basically me doing uh, research on my own trying to build a portfolio and then that led into my senior and last year at UF where um, I was lucky enough to uh, by head coach Tim Walton of the University of Florida softball team to be a part of the team as a statistics analyst and mostly doing um, just reports for the team a lot of stuff in Excel and uh, maybe um, just giving suggestions and stuff on who we were playing so how the Gators do that year we lost a national title wow so it was a great year. I uh, we lost the longest uh, college women women's college world series world series game ever, which was a 17 inning game. Uh, the Gators tied it up in the bottom of the seventh dramatically on a Sofia Reynoso double. Tied it again down 4-2, I think, in the 14th by Amanda Lorenz on another two run. Oh, this was a two run triple. Ended up losing seven to four in 17 innings. Uh, I was I've never been. You know, you're a fan and you get mm. upset when you lose. But that was my first time being a part of a team, right? Mm -hmm. I've been doing research, blogging on my own, and being part of the softball team when we finally lost. I, I was never more upset for days mm -hmm. than when we lost the College World Series. So that was like a huge bridge from you know doing my own kind of stuff and then working for a sol the, the women's softball team to then moving into Houston later on where you start to you know learn, first of all, how hard it takes, um, how hard people around the team works, and then also the commitment and how close you feel to the team. So uh, you graduate from Florida. Uh, you decide you want to enter the master's program at Columbia. You start here, right? but you're still always looking to figure out what's out there. So talk about how the opportunity for the Astros came about mm -hmm. and kind of what it was when you were there. And obviously, you finally got to win a title as well. So I wasn't a part of that. So but I you was, were there, weren't you there for the, the World Series? I was hired uh, about a month after the World Series. All right, so you were the bridge to get after the World Series. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I was a part of, uh, you know, a lot of excitement, though, when, mm -hmm. you, when I'm getting hired right after they win the World Series. It's like, you know, an incredible kind of bridge. But, so I come here as a student, originally working a lot in social media type stuff with the, the program account and, and other uh, people. And so, you know, it wasn't that I was doing less, I think, baseball research and things like that. It was just my focus had shifted and I was open to new ideas. But I still was applying and interested in working for a team. And so I had previous experience with the Astros having um, applied to an internship with them before and had interviewed with them. And it really, really um, appreciated that process because they were so in-depth with feedback. And I think that's a huge thing for a young applicant. You don't want to feel like you're just one of you know, hundreds or thousands. They took time to, uh, I think, make it personal with me. And they always were seemed like a really great fit for myself. So. Um, Basically, they had offered me something at the end of November. So before you get uh -huh. to that, talk about the process. How long yeah. was the process? What did you have to go through? And then talk about some of the people who hired you who have Ivy League backgrounds, as a matter of fact, correct? Right. So um, Brandon Taubman, uh, who's the current assistant general manager, he um, went to Cornell. Mm -hmm. So that's the, the main Ivy League connection of the people who I interviewed with specifically and who I, I worked with. Um, I also worked for the manager of baseball ops, Brandon Forney, who was a UF grad and a Mizzou grad. Um, so the process mainly was centered around a few different people who worked ma mainly player economics and contracts. And the process was a general application through Teamwork Online, um, and then like many other teams, a questionnaire, and then um, interviews through the phone. Uh, there was no in-person. How many interviews did you have on the phone? Uh, there were two. Okay, not bad. Um, and so, but really what I'm counting is was one of the phone interviews was from our previous 
uh, process because, um, like I mentioned before, I interviewed with them previously, and that's how I got to know mm -hmm. them. Um, but yeah, the questionnaire I think was is you know something that teams give to candidates, and that was probably the most in-depth, time-consuming part. And like I mentioned before, because I think I interviewed with them previously, it, it was an easier connection for both myself and for them mm -hmm. before they uh, uh, offered me. It was a year-long baseball operations apprenticeship where you can work in a variety of different um, departments. And the one that I was most the one that I was most interested in, and luckily that Brendan and, and Brandon kind of worked in, was player economics and arbitration and contracts and stuff like that. So that became my main focus, which, as you know, has more of an analytics type thing. Yep. So so. You get there in November of 2017, 2018? I get there in January 2018. January 2018. And it's obviously the middle of the winter. People may think that, oh, there's not a lot going on in baseball. So take us through kind of a day before you even get to spring training or at least around spring training. What was it like? So I think that working with the team is very seasonal. So if you ask me what a day was like in January, that's going to be a lot different than April, June, July, and so on. And so I think that yeah, my first role was really just helping with contract arbitration and um, that was just a really good experience in terms of working with how a team I think constructs a roster and payroll things like that so your typical day I think is um, more flexible in terms of a start time you can come in really really early I'm more of an early morning type person so I would like to come in earlier um, and then you could leave you know whatever so like your your normal work day is is relatively I think straightforward and it was at Minute Maid Park right it was at mm -hmm. Minute Maid Park Park so you're exposed to the stadium you're walking through and it's you know one of those experiences where you, you walk in in the morning and you're like constantly reminded why you wanted to do this in the first place mm -hmm. so when it gets really difficult when the hours are long and, and all those different things that are natural with working with a team um, you know you're really encouraged by it and then, you know, I can't, I don't have enough good things to say about Brandon and Brendan as mentors to me um, that were just really, really encouraging. And, and were the kind of people that promoted um, going outside, thinking outside the box and making mistakes and made my experience something where I was trying to really, really get better and work on my weaknesses as opposed to not trying to mess up. Mm -hmm. So, And then, um, so you go through the process. Tell us some of the things just in general without talking about specific players that you were involved with throughout the course of the season. But more importantly, um, so it was an apprenticeship. So it was not an internship. It was not a full-time job. They paid you, I guess, a stipend, and then you had to kind of figure out all the other things around you. And were you the only apprentice in all of baseball operations, or were there others as well? So for the first part, um, speaking of the apprentice, I, there was one other apprentice, baseball operations. He was advanced scouting. His name is Sam Abrams. Um, we lived together. He's also from South Florida, so we bonded very quickly. And that was a huge, huge, I think, boon to my experience there was I coming to Houston where I knew no one and I was uncertain of working any sort of job of that kind of magnitude. I had someone who I'd never met before in my entire life but knew people that I knew and we had mutual friends and things like that. So we were the uh, two apprenti. And then... It's a good um, word, apprenti. I like that. <laughs> so the, the two of us uh, were, you know, working right next to each other and had that really good relationship. <clears throat> I didn't have any interaction with players day to day. Um, you know, more we were relegated to the cubicle and in the office where I was specifically. And then Sam worked in advanced scouting where in baseball that is a more player-facing type of role. But I did not personally have a lot of interaction with players. So, so some of the things you thought you pulled out of that experience, and it was a year-long experience. So did it change when the team went to spring training? Then as the season started, what were some of the different pieces that went into that? Right, so in spring training, I did not travel to spring training. I was lucky enough to... Uh, because I live an hour away from West Palmer, our facility is visit for a weekend because I stayed with uh, my parents and then 
Um, my dad and I were able to go see a game and see the facility. So during spring training, which is about an eight-week period, um, the main people, main front office members are, are gone. They're in West Palm Beach in the facility. And then the interns and, and whoever whoever's role is not critical to spring training, we back in Houston. And so that was a, a time where I had already been there for about six weeks. I'm starting to adjust to life in Houston and also coming up with ideas and things that I wanted to work on in the future and skills I wanted to develop because I wasn't directly being supervised. So once spring training ends, everybody returns back to the regular season and it becomes, depending on your department, what you're doing. So I think in player economics and um, transactions, you're reviewing maybe the off season or reviewing mm-hmm. arbitration hearings and things like that and maybe projecting forward um, possible uh, players that um, could have an interesting contract perspective in the future. So would someone come down the hall one day and say, hey, kid, can you look this up? And suddenly a trade was made or some free agent was signed. It wasn't that dramatic, I would imagine. But I would imagine it sounds like an inclusive organization that you were kind of involved in a lot of discussions that went on about player personnel. Um, Yeah, I think that the role would ideally be a part of that. I wasn't specifically involved in any sort of intense conversation. Like Mm -hmm. I was not in the room when anything official was going on, but definitely just being a part of the office. And, you know, if there's a trade, like there were a few trades last year on the trade deadline, there definitely is an electricity in the building and you're getting really excited about, um, you know, someone like Ryan Presley that, you know, has been, he's one of the best relievers in baseball right now. There definitely is an excitement, I think. And like I mentioned before, working with softball, um, it's magnified a little bit when you're part of the team and you're working there so many hours. Mm-hmm. So definitely, um, nothing as dramatic as you mentioned. It wasn't. No. Not everything was a, a scene in Moneyball for sure, but um, it was. It was. It was cool. You didn't take a bat there. to anything in the the office, Ronnie. I mean, I'm kind of disappointed <laughs> about that. So. No, I, I curbed the the anger for mm-hmm. whatever you know. Cool. Um, you mentioned the entrepreneurial side, and because you had a lot of time on your hands, well, some time on your hands. What were some of the skills that you honed? Uh, and some of the things that you learned in, during the experience with the Astros. Right. So I think that there are the entrepreneurial side, entrepreneurial side like you mentioned, but there's kind of a, a work quantitative type, uh, nose to the grindstone kind of kind of type of skills that you develop. And there's also kind of uh, personal communication skills. So first of all, I think that when you're there, you're you're cleaning up on skills like using Excel, for instance, and, mm-hmm. and writing correctly and making sure that those skills that you may not have used every day previously are... are completely up to speed and then personally I think that presenting for instance if I ever had to present any sort of research or project that was a a, a big skill and experience I think that I was able to build on because you know there's pressure there definitely because as an intern or apprentice um, you don't get that opportunity that often so you have to be really detailed and you know it's kind of one of those things where if like in, in basketball if you make a shot make it take it it's I think as an apprentice you do well on a project you get another project if you do on that one, you get the next did step you, up. Did you keep getting projects? I did. I That's did. Good, good sign. I was projects. worried about that for a second. <laughs> so, for sure. Uh-huh. Um, you were here for a semester, a semester and a half, correct? Or a semester? Semester. Right. Semester. And then came back again and have taken some other classes. Were there specific skills that you learned in class here and at the University of Florida that helped you both get the position and then kind of grow in the position, it seems like, pretty quickly? Yeah, so one thing that you get as a resource as a student is lynda.com and, and some of the other online resources, first of all, that the university provides that help you do things like take classes on Excel, SQL, R. So I think very practically, first of all, by nature being a student here, I was able to brush up on all of those. I think that class was something, some small things I didn't realize, like PowerPoint, um, photo editing, um, writing, mm. and also just the 
there's a certain um, training you go through about, I think we did an assignment like this in your class where you talk about your story. Yep. And you have to understand what is fluff and what's not fluff and what's unique to you and what is something that every applicant during interview process will talk about. So that, like on the non uh, technical side, was huge because you know, going through an interview, whatever you need to be doing, you're not talking about, you know, how inspired you were by something that maybe everyone is inspired by and telling a story that... I'm really passionate about baseball. Yeah. So, right. Right. Like, I played baseball a lot in high school, so that's why I want to work in baseball. I I think I developed, you know, through the interview process I'd gone through, um, what made me stand out and what was important to me. I think when you do that, too, and you finish an interview, you know, you feel good because you don't feel like you were faking anything. You were just straightforward, and um, the program, I think, helped a lot with that. Mm -hmm. When you left... um, I know I remember when you were going through the process, you mentioned something to me about the guys who were ahead of you in those jobs actually were in your shoes at one point, correct? So when you got to the end, how did you feel about the whole process? Uh, What was the feedback that you got from them uh, once you left the Astros and kind of came back here and did some other things as well? Yeah, so, right, it was, you know, a really attractive position, I think, as an apprentice because you look through baseball with, you know, the Astros and other teams, people that were... Um, apprentice go on to have really great jobs um, in the industry and um, in my experience I think the first thing that the Astros and, and I think most teams appreciate is just hard work because you're coming in there and um, you know you're you're an apprentice you have to do a lot of work that may not be uh, glorified or very you know sexy in a way but you're just there and you're there to help um, so at the end of the process I think I got a lot of really good feedback about just working um, and understanding kind of First of all, how teams, I think, are constructed, rosters and things like that, which is what I was trying to gain out of the experience was I specifically want to work in that roster movement and construction kind of uh, department, and that is not equal for every single team. They all do things differently and evaluate players differently. So getting that specific feedback on things like projects about um, player value was really, really valuable that I can take going into uh, uh, the future. So, yeah, it led into you know coming back now. Uh, some of the classes I've taken have been a lot more technical and, and trying to build on that data science side that um, is really important going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get on to kind of where you're going next and, and, and how that came about, um, talk a little bit about the culture of the Astros, how important that was. Obviously, they were coming off a World Series, still obviously highly successful, highly competitive contender again. What was the culture in the office like? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I think the culture was really great. Um, I you know, haven't worked for another team. Um, I have friends that work for other teams, but um, based off of our, I think our experiences, I was really lucky to be a part of a culture that is very professional and was very, um, kind of had like a, a school or teacher type uh, environment for someone like myself that was just starting off. So for instance, if I ever had a project or a question, I could go to someone in another department, even someone that I didn't know that well, and they would help me. And not only would they help me, they would make it, like I mentioned before, during the, during the interview process, very personal. And they would, you know, do little things like you remember your name. And, and to me, starting off as someone, like when someone, when I wasn't invisible, you know, that feels really great. And the Astros were always, you know, incredibly supportive. And it was very much, I think, like a family. So um, it made the entire experience very uh, fluid. And especially, like I mentioned before, those times where you've been working maybe through a few different weekends and you're, you know, putting those 60 plus hour weeks, when those times come up and you're there with people you really like and respect, it makes that experience so much better. Great. So you come back here, you're taking some classes uh, and a new opportunity has arisen. 
where you don't have to move to Houston, although it's a little bit humid in July, so it's kind of the same humidity. Um, tell us a little bit about how your new opportunity to finish the 2019 season with the New York Mets came about. Yeah, so basically taking um, some more data science type courses here uh, at Columbia. Was what kind of classes? So classes that are uh, based in SQL, mm -hmm. um, R, things that also cover like a little bit of finance and things like that, kind of honing skills in Excel, SQL, and R, things that I used, um, kind of preparing to work for a team that are important to do projects in baseball. So I was looking for an internship opportunity with maybe a data science company, maybe as a junior analyst intern, something that could put the new skills I've been building in class to practice. In sports? Uh, no. Just so, in general? Just in general. Mm -hmm. So I had started to poke around and say, okay, for the fall, um, I'll be a part-time student, so I'll have time to, to work um, and you know work more in art and data mm -hmm. science. So this Mets opportunity just came up online, and I thought, wow, like what a perfect way to blend. So you saw it on Teamwork or somewhere, and it just popped up? Yeah, it was on LinkedIn. Right, on LinkedIn, okay. Um, so you know, very straightforward application mm -hmm. process, applied, um, had an interview, and then I was lucky enough to have it offered. And um, yeah, I'm just really excited to exactly what I mentioned before. Do you think it'll be similar to what you, the, the work, similar to what you were doing in Houston? Kind of, that obviously played into the factor of you getting this, I would imagine. Yeah, definitely. I think there's going to be a lot of similarity, mm -hmm. but there's going to be a lot of new uh, differences mm -hmm. because this is now an R&D uh, specific internship, which is, of course, more heavy into analytics, which is what I wanted because you know now taking those classes, I want to test myself. So that's why I think it, it, there's going to be a key difference there. Mm -hmm. Cool. And um, what's that experience going to be like? I would assume it's full-time through the end of the year, through the end of the baseball season? Yeah, so tentatively right, uh, tentatively right now, it is um, full-time in terms of hours. Mm -hmm. It is still an internship, but it is through uh, December uh, right. for the uh, next few months. So yeah, excited to get started. A lot of time on the 7 train you're going to spend. Oh, a ton, mm -hmm. especially coming up here from you yeah. know, Morningside Heights all the way down and then over. Yep. Um, you can actually take a bus. I'll tell you about that offline. So gotcha. you can take a bus from here. Perfect. So, but anyway, Ronnie, one other thing um, we should mention, the value of speaking a second language. We talk about that a lot in class. Do you speak a second language? And had it played out in your job, especially with the Astros? Yeah, so I'm half Peruvian. My mom's from Lima. Uh, my dad also is fluent in Spanish, even though he's from Scranton, Pennsylvania. There's, there's a reason for that, probably. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Lots of Scrantonians speak Spanish. <laughs> so he lived in Costa Rica for about 10 years, and you know, I'm from South Florida. My whole family um, lives there. So, yeah, I, I speak Spanish. And going to Houston was a cool experience because, first of all, people don't expect me to because my name's Ronnie Socash. I would say the only player-facing kind of interaction I did have when a minor league players or whoever would be in Houston for a variety of different reasons was if they uh, spoke Spanish and needed a translator. So I would kind of be like a soft translator in terms of my role wasn't specifically, like I mentioned before, being an apprentice, you have mm -hmm. the ability to work on a lot of different things. Kind of on the spot, hey, Ronnie, uh, for instance, maybe if a scouting report is in Spanish or um, if a variety of different things can come up where players are like, hey, I'm in Houston and I need someone to help me um, get to the stadium. Or, you know, a player calls for some reason and they can give the phone to me or whoever else speaks Spanish in the office and I can translate that. So it was, it was a huge extra thing that I think I was able to bring uh, to the organization. I would imagine that's something that will probably play out well with the Mets as well, given the, the Latino base of a lot of their players. Yeah, hopefully. You know, we'll yeah. just see. Uh, hopefully that'll, that'll kind of play out. That, that's good. I mean, I, I think we talk a lot about the value of a second language and it's great to see there's an actual application that you've had in your jobs. Yeah, it's a huge, huge part, and I think that speaking Spanish and that second language is, you know, a huge thing to at least try to improve what you can. Because um, even for myself, my Spanish improved uh, immensely 
through just speaking every day because if you you know don't need to learn the language you just basically need to be practicing and putting it into uh, um, into practice every day Ronnie so before we let you go talk a little bit about the skills that you've picked up and you've acquired and that you tell other people who come to you and say I want to work in analytics and data and sports business and marketing uh, what are some of the skills that you've seen that have helped you that you've honed and even more importantly what are some of the skills that you're still working on so I think that a data and analytics is kind of this field that people are afraid to dip their toe into and start because they see how technical uh, it can be. And I would encourage those people to first of all, specifically just really get used to Excel. I, can, I Most specifically, if you can use Excel really, really well, you can dip into other programming languages and, and things like that. Because yes, it's true that full-time analysts have been doing this for 20 years and have PhDs and you know, quantitative fields are incredibly talented and intelligent, but that doesn't mean that you can't learn a lot in a month, six months, or so on. So I've spoken to a few other people that, you know, are basically coming out of undergrad looking to follow a path similar to mine, and I, I always say just, first of all, start with Excel. Uh, start to do projects. Understand how um, maybe contracts or some specific type of the game or whatever sport you're interested in works, and create a product out of that. And I think that um, beyond Excel, I think, speaking with a lot of people in the industry that you're targeted um, is going to be really key. So, you know, I was working a lot in social media before. I was lucky enough to be exposed to other people working in social media that were older than me, had more experience. And just those conversations and picking their brain and not asking for an internship or a job right away, just literally just asking, you know, for, you know, like a question you just asked, for skills that help them. Mm -hmm. And um, some of the things that you're going to continue to hone, because I'm assuming you're going to try and stay in the analytics side, um, other than kind of the rote stuff of technical analytic programs that you can learn. Uh, you mentioned writing. How valuable is writing? What were some of the things that you learned in the interview process, both with the Mets and the Astros, that, that could apply to anything as well? Yeah, so I think writing, first of all, is a super underrated skill, especially going to something like data because you don't have to use it that often. So when it does come about, it's like a huge, huge uh, a plus. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, when I was uh, with the Astros or uh, working um, or soon to be working with the Mets, something as simple as a cover letter or going through your resume is huge because you are very confident when you turn something in that it's going to be correct. And also, I think that when you're working with uh, a team, there are other responsibilities that aren't just sport or baseball related. So, for instance, if I ever had to write an email about some sort of topic that the team was working on, um, if I had that task given to me as an apprentice, um, my superiors and supervisors knew, okay, this is going to be at the very least uh, correct in terms of grammar and there's going to be um, good sentence structure. Mm -hmm. So that's a, a big skill. And I think that reading also is a huge part of working with a team or just working any career they have a, a target for because um, it's kind of like its own lost art. People don't really talk about books, but if you do look online at, at journals and research type um, articles online, it's, it can be dense at times. So be having like reading stamina, I think is a really underrated part. Of As opposed reading. to reading in the social space, which you've actually, that's the last thing I want to ask you is about how valuable were the skills that you've honed and learned in using, effectively using social media in your job now, or at least kind of staying current on what's going on? So I, I think the, mo the best example of that is recently with last year's All-Star break is a Josh Hader Twitter incident. Mm -hmm. um, and the social space, was, it was kind of like a weird kind of... Why don't of, you tell everybody what that is? Right. So basically, uh, last year at the All-Star break, Josh Hader um, and, and a few other players in Major League Baseball were, uh, had their old tweets when they were teenagers 
um, dug up basically. People online were able to find old tweets of them saying really, really offensive things. And it was really unneeded attention, I think, for those teams or for the players themselves. So me going in working with the team now and, and the social space tying into, you know, what you do in baseball with the team, you see just how important it is to have that base knowledge, first of all, of how social media works and how it can be effective. And I think the first thing is that if I was working with a team and that happened to my player, understand the urgency and how mm. quickly you have to address that issue, not just try to you know kick it under the rug, which to, I think, the team's credit that were affected by this, they did well. And then also how to make sure that this doesn't happen again in the future and understanding how to search through players' tweets efficiently to where you catch them and the players not the tweets aren't only deleted but the players know yeah. what's going on and why this is wrong mm -hmm. great um and then how do you stay up to date with with all the current learnings in addition to going to school now another job a previous job are there things you like to read places you go um wh wh how do you stay current with, with stuff you talked about reading yeah i think uh you got you have to have a vehicle first of all that it get you to that those materials and i think twitter is the main area because you have to be able to just follow as many outlets and, and writers that you like reading um, as you can. The Athletic, I think, puts out really great um, articles that are in-depth, which is important. And uh, yeah, basically using the vehicle of Twitter to find articles and, and other type stuff mm -hmm. that you can then bookmark. And even if you can't, if I don't have time to do it immediately because of class or other commitments, you know, you have the ability to go back and kind of do it at your own will. Great. And lastly, Ronnie, um, where do people find you? Are you still using your, your Twitter account? It's a little more dormant than it used mm -hmm. to be in years past, but yeah, I'm at RJ Socash mm -hmm. on Twitter. So and LinkedIn, LinkedIn, uh, Ronnie Socash as well. Cool. So Ronnie Socash, again, continuing to kind of move through our program. At some point, you'll be a graduate, I'm sure. <laughs> but two unbelievable experiences: one with the Mets, now one with the Astros, right after a World Series. Got to a College World Series with the University of Florida softball team. So for those of us who care a little bit more than they should probably about what goes on in Queens, especially around that, that ballpark next to Arthur Ashe Stadium in the U.S. Ten uh, <laughs> the Billie Jean T uh, King Tennis Center. Uh, hopefully, maybe you're the good luck charm that's going to change things just a little bit more. Yeah, so. yeah, we'll see. Go on a big run in the second yeah. half and, uh, you know, sneak into the playoffs. Cool. Well, once again, our guest was Ronnie Sokash, uh, former apprentice with the Houston Astros on the, on the data analytics side, now moving over to the Mets and a current student, a current ongoing student in our program. Ronnie, thanks for joining us. Cool. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Cool. Once again, this was the Columbia University Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Favorito for my co-host, Tom Richardson. We'll see you down the road. Mm -hmm.